Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So... Another episode of Creative Source with Andy Osho. This is a podcast about creativity for creatives in whatever field you're working, in whatever you're doing. Um, Thank you again, as always, to uh, all our Patreon supporters. Good to have you back and thank you for the support. If you haven't done so yet, you know the drill. Get onto that Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash creative source with Andy Osho to support this podcast because all your contributions and your support keeps the conversation going and I know that this is useful for people because we all need to feel like and this is the reason I kind of started this in the first place to feel like we're not alone that many other creatives are going through similar things and that there is more to this game of creativity than just the hard slog of trying to get somewhere so everything you contribute on the patreon page contributes to this podcast which contributes to other creatives which contributes to i don't know maybe maybe it's a community that we're we're building here whereby we all just support each other because when i did this as um the instagram live streams that's what started to happen is we were a community and and people started to get to know each other and we had people from so many different fields all kind of just showing up and and showing support we had actors we had writers we had chefs we had poets we had painters um we had illustrators it was it was great so i think that's what this is as well there i just in the moment decided we are a community of artists and we're just gonna like shout out for each other and just look out for each other and have each other's backs because that's what i think we need This week, the topic is ideas, man. It's like, this is one of my favorite topics because I love 
Ideas. I think ideas are brilliant. And ideas are kind of where the whole thing, the whole shebang starts. Everything we do as creatives always starts with our ideas. So that's what we're going to talk about this week. Um, a lot of people ask where our ideas come from. When, when I'm interviewed, especially when I was doing stand up, a lot of people would ask, where do you get your ideas from? Where do you, what, what inspires your material? And, um, the small answer is, oh, I see things and a woman did one thing funny once, or this happened to me once. Um, and, and I'd turn that into a joke, but actually the big answer is ideas are everywhere. They are around us and they surround us and they're everywhere. Inspiration and ideas are literally everywhere. In uh, Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic, which I talk about a lot. And if you haven't read, I encourage you to do so. It's a really easy, joyful, straightforward, straight talking read about creativity and the magic of it. And uh, in it, she talks about ideas as entities. They're just there out uh, around us um, waiting for a place to call home, which is basically in us. And actually ideas are not specific to creatives either. I mean, they're, uh, an engineer could be trying to come up with that widget that's going to solve that problem. And that idea will find him and, and express itself through him. Ideas are literally entities just seeking uh, a place to call home. And for me, they exist in like a, t- uh, a domain that is outside of time. So they can show up for more than one person at the same time. Cause you see that a lot where, you know, a similar idea will show up with a number of different people. Like say, for example, a film idea, you'll have, um, Olympus has fallen and White House down or whatever it was called. You know, there's two films about the White House being under siege. Those t- came out ex- pretty much exactly the, the same time. So it isn't unusual that ideas which exist outside of time and space actually can occur in different spaces and through different people because they're not ruthless as such, but they're just looking for a place to call home. Like I said, the other thing about ideas, I think that is really fascinating is if you embrace the idea that they're not of us, they're not coming from us, but through us. So we are almost like we're, we're, we have antennae, antennae, antenna, (laughs) antenna into the universe allowing these or or seeking out these entities. Obviously we're not consciously doing that, but we do sometimes look up when we're thinking, but we, yeah, we're, we're putting our antennae up to, to receive these ideas and they don't come from us, but they come through us and out of us. But what gives them their special something is that they're flavored with our unique flavor. And that's what gives them their interesting spin, their originality. Because you know, when like, um, you know, films get reboots done. All right, let's be honest. A lot of times those reboots don't work, but sometimes they do. But what makes them relevant, um, the reboot relevant is that there's a new set of eyes experiencing and putting their special source on that idea. I remember looking up The Handmaid's Tale on, you know, the internet, internet movie database or whatever it's called, IMDb. And, um, there was a, it looked like there was a film made of it, but the poster for it, the, the lead character was in a kind of sexy, it was almost like a sexy Halloween costume Handmaid's Tale. And it was just like, oh, it looked like that film interpreted her sexual subjugation in a completely different way. 
And so the Handmaid's Tale series that's been made starring um, Elizabeth Moss obviously has a different take on uh, June's situation than that film did. It needed fresh eyes because we, you know, we're a new society with new values changing constantly, as has always been the case. And so a reboot is almost required. You know, it's a, it's, it's almost like a, a different story. A good example is cover versions where someone will take a song and obviously reinvent it in a way that you've never heard before. Again, like almost turning into a new song. And, you know, previous, a previous episode, we were talking about um, authenticity, not being about originality. Well, cover version is, is a great example of that, where something that is not original material becomes original by being put through somebody else's authentic filter. So, for example, a great cover and a great example of a great cover that changed the song completely is Valerie. You know, it was this kind of quite sort of plodding pop song. Uh, before Amy Winehouse got her hands on it and Mark Ronson got his hands on it and it became a completely different offering by doing that. The other day, uh, someone shared on Facebook, um, my heart will go on, but it was sung by this black guy with this incredible voice and done as a kind of a 1950s doo-wop with a real like, you know, driving drumline to it and Oh my God, it sent, it sent shivers down my, down my spine, like listening to it. Cause it was just such a fantastic reimagining of a ballad, but it wasn't a ballad. It was more, it, it had a, you know, to it. And so it became like a completely different song. So ideas are, um, ideas come through us, but what gives them their special something is that they're flavored with our own authentic something, a special secret sauce. Thank you, uh, everyone on Patreon. Don't forget, you can basically be a patron of this podcast by signing up on patreon.com uh, forward slash creative source with Andy Osho. Every episode, it you know, it takes a little bit of resources to put together. So any support in doing that is very, very gratefully received. So here's the thing about ideas, because they're everywhere. Once you open yourself up to that, you'll realize you're going to be inundated. I personally, especially when it came to jokes, I always kept a notebook with me and I would always be writing stuff down Uh, and they don't always find the most convenient time. I'm going to say like there have been times when I've been like cycling along and uh, because I used to cycle to and from gigs and it was really great because it helped me sort of clear my head and really, um, process the, the, the show and what needed to change and stuff like that. So many times I had to pull over get the notebook out, write down what idea had just come because I was just playing over a little routine and just going, oh, that would be a really great tag. Or, oh, if I remove that, that'll make it funnier because it will get to the punchline quicker or whatever it is. So I say always um, have a notebook with you. The other thing about ideas is they, they often come through in different states. Sometimes they come through fully formed. For example, Sam Smith said that he um, wrote his Bond theme tune uh, in 20 minutes. Now, I mean, the fact that they tell you you're only allowed to use four chords for the, <laughs> for the, for the Bond themes, that, that does make it a little easier to, to, to write. But nonetheless, it came through pretty much fully formed. Uh, the Beatles wrote yesterday on a beer mat in a couple of minutes, not a couple of minutes, but you know, it came through very quickly and fully formed. 
Jill Scott um, uh, has a beautiful song called And I Heard, which I would urge you to look up. I think it's on Spotify, but if not, I'm, I, I think you can find it on YouTube. Uh, in fact, let me have a look. And I Heard. Ah, oh, it's on YouTube, man. And 10 years ago, it's called. So if you put in Jill Scott and I Heard live performance, and she said um, that this song basically came through to her. And I think she explains that on the YouTube video. She, 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 she. It was almost like she had to catch this song. It came through and she had to dictate it down. And that's the interesting thing about ideas. And she's clearly present to the notion that they're coming through her. They're not coming from her. So she could feel this idea coming, coming through her. And so she had to just, she was just the, the secretary. She just wrote, wrote it down. But then what made it, and I heard, uh, rather than just an idea on a piece of paper, is that she actioned it and she put her special source uh, uh into it to make it into the song that it is. And it is absolutely beautiful. And sometimes stuff comes through with no form at all. They don't know what they want to be. They're not finished or anything. And it takes, and that's when the work comes in, when you have to put time in to actually turn something into, turn that idea into something that can be a thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, for example, with my book, I had threads of an idea, but what the actual book ended up being was so much more than that. Not just, I'm not just talking about that I had to write that idea out, but actually the world and who the characters were and all the rest of it. So in that instance, it didn't come through fully formed. It, it wasn't a full story. It, it took time to sort of amass and gather momentum. Sometimes that's what I feel like um, ideas want as well is that they're just, when they come through, they're just kind of very small, almost like a baby, like, and it needs to be fed and to be nurtured and grown. And, and in that process, actually, you have to be careful about how soon you put it out into the world, just as you would with a child. Like you wouldn't let a toddler cross the road by itself. Some ideas aren't ready to be out in the world. Like that would destroy them to be out so too soon. So it's actually a very delicate alchemy, like working with your ideas in a way that will make them or give them the best opportunity to exist and to be. As always, you guys have been part of this conversation. So I just want to go to uh, a comment that was left by um, at Ian B53, Ian Borlase. Is it Borlase, Ian? Uh, Ian was one of my original um, Sunday night creative, um, well, creativity live chats. That's what they were called then, um, live uh, streamers who joined pretty regularly. And, and Ian's a writer. So he says, ideas I have plenty of. My issues are focusing on one and expanding and building on it. Any tips on construction and focus would be very helpful. Well, I mean, th this is basically what I was just getting at is that uh, when the idea comes through, especially if it's not fully formed, that's when the hard work begins. And we've got two important things to do. Um, one is choosing whether to pursue this idea because ideas aren't precious. If they can't exist through us, they will find somewhere else. You know, so the first choice is the first decision we have to make is, are we going to work on this idea? And the second one is, how are we going to work on it? How are we going to, how are we going to bring that into, into, um, into reality? So it's a really important part of the creative process to decide what we are actually going to work on because we can't work on everything. We just literally can't because there are so many ideas out there and so many good things that we could potentially do. We have to be really judicious in like choosing what we're going to put our energy into. 
if we have too many things that we've got our energy in, it makes it difficult to give our energy to anyone in any meaningful way. So we have to be careful about what things we get ourselves involved in. And then once we start, we commit. We we acknowledge that it is going to be hard work and not always fun. When I was writing my book, I was not enjoying myself a lot of the time. (laughs) I think that was a a lot to do with the fact that I didn't know what I was doing. So I was actually learning how to write a novel on, on the, um, as part of the process of actually writing the novel. But still at the end of the day, writing a book is as hard work as you would imagine. Um, (laughs) the thing that always kills me about it, which I laugh about now is just, it's just so many words. And they have to be good words. You know, you can't just pick any old words. You know, that, that was what was, that was what was always so hard for me was like, you can't just put any old words down like you can with the screenplay because no one's going to see the screenplay. Everyone's going to see the screen. You know what I mean? Everyone's going to see the film that you create. Whereas with a book, that's the finished product you're working on. That's not a blueprint like a, uh, or a roadmap like a screenplay is. That's it. And it has to be great. So Ian, the only thing I can really say is really make a choice that you can own in terms of what you're going to work on and then apply yourself. And I find that everyone works differently, but I'm the sort of um, creator or creative who likes to plan. I like to have checklists and tick things off and have a schedule. And a friend of mine, Tom, uh, blew my mind one time when he said, Because what I was doing, how I was scheduling my day when I was writing is I would do a certain number of hours and then check out at what every day, you know, what, whatever time I said I was going to check out. He was like, no, set a task. And then when you finish the task, you're done. And that was brilliant for me because what it meant was if I finished early, like one or something, I had the rest of the day off. And yeah, I still knew what I was going to achieve for the rest of the time because I'd scheduled that too. So I was going to do chapter 15 that day, chapter 16 that day, chapter 17 that day. And then if I finished chapter 15, like I say, by like two o'clock, woohoo, party. Well, actually probably not, just watch telly. (laughs) But, But you know what I mean? Like I didn't feel, I didn't feel like, oh, I have to keep going until six o'clock because I said I would. Nah, finish my work early. I can leave. So Ian, that's what I would say. Um, You've said any tips on construction and focus would be very helpful. I think in terms of construction, that's quite a big question. Um, And like I say, everybody works differently. But for me, planning made a huge difference because then I could see the end goal and I could see realistically. You have to be realistic when you plan as well. Don't be going, oh, I reckon I could finish a book in two months if if you've got a full-time job. But If you plan, then you can look ahead and go, oh, yes, draft one will be finished by such and such date. And then you can work to that. And if you start to get a bit ahead of yourself, then you you know that you're going to finish early. And if you start to get behind yourself, you know now that you can't take on any extra stuff. And that's really helpful to be able to see. So that's what I would say in terms of like managing one's time. In terms of the actual construction of your writing, I'd say get uh, get some resources to support you with that, like um, a writing coach, even online videos, masterclass. I, I work with a coach called Corey, Corey Mandel, who was really instrumental in me learning how to um, structure my um, written work uh, across several mediums, actually, not, not just screenwriting, but also my novel as well. I applied what he taught me. So I hope that's helpful because it is such a huge question that it's almost like it would take a whole series of podcasts to actually talk about how to work on one's writing. But I hope that at least is useful. Mm-hmm. 
You are listening to Creator Source with me, Andy Osho. Don't forget about our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Creative Source with Andy Osho. So regarding ideas, I think one of the important things when they come through in their abundance is not to judge them because they're just things. They are things that are coming through and it's your, it's your discernment that will later decide whether you want to work on them or not. And also it's really important that to, to realize that the part of the brain that receives them is not the same part of the brain that will edit them, critique them, work on them, and even evaluate whether they are the idea to pursue. So allow uh, ideas to come and just allow, and just, and just be comfortable being with them because sometimes they don't come through fully formed. And as they, as they start to coalesce and as they start to gain momentum, then they start to become more viable. But if they're not given that chance because they're judged immediately, then one will never know how viable they could have been. And so it's important to just listen, listen to the idea, allow it to be and allow it to kind of just start to to coalesce. Don't force its form. Don't force it to be uh, something that it doesn't want to be. Like, for example, I have um, had ideas for films and then thought, oh, well, film is kind of struggling at the moment. I'll turn it into a TV series. When I Honestly, the idea doesn't want to be there and it will let you know in its own way by not fitting comfortably into the form that you may be trying to squeeze it into. It will let you know that that's not where it wants to be. Um, But also know as well that great ideas are patient. I mean, patient is kind of a redundant term to use in terms of ideas because really they exist outside of time. They exist in a space that is beyond time and space. So patience isn't, is a, patience is something that is specific to linear time and they exist beyond that in another realm. Uh, just go with me on this idea. And so they will stick around with you, even if you don't currently have the resources or the time or whatever to be able to act on them and to be able to realize them. If they want to be birthed through you, they'll stick around. I've had ideas and I know of other people that have had ideas that have just, they just had ideas that won't quit. And that is because the idea knows that it can be birthed with you or with that person. Um, But also uh, that they know when they won't have a chance with somebody. Like, for example, with me, when I was writing stand-up, I did have a lot of ideas for jokes coming to me. And I was almost, some days, and I I think other comedians will concur with this, some days you just haven't had enough of it. You're like, just like, shut up! Because you can feel your brain going, oh, what if, what if, what if, what if? Could that be funny? Could that be funny? Could that be funny? And you're like, oh, please, give me a, give me a break. I just need a rest from this noise. But then when I stopped doing um, live performances, the jokes stopped coming. It was such an interesting, because I just suddenly realized, huh, I haven't thought of a joke. I haven't had that impulse to go to a notebook for a really long time. Because they know they cannot exist through me because I didn't have access to the outlet at that time. And it is possible that you may die with good ideas in you because there's just so many of them wanting to be birthed. I'm Daniel Lawrence Taylor, and you're listening to Creative Source with Andy Osher. 
Gwynifer, who was one of our regular, um, she was regularly on the live streams when I was doing on the, doing them on Instagram. She has commented this and asked this question. So I'm, I'm always afraid of telling, discussing my ideas with anyone because they might steal them. In your creative live chats um, about that, you said that it wouldn't even be that much of a big deal because there, there are many similar things about the same topic and everyone does um, create differently. I get that, but I am still anxious even when I discuss my ideas with my friends. But that's not how an idea grows. I want to have criticism and support. So how can I manage this? Well, Gwyneth, I I would say, first of all, have a listen to the episodes on criticism, because one of the things I talk about is finding the right people to share your work with, you know, because you may be experiencing some instinct that the person that you want to share your work with may steal. Or maybe the sort of person that would, uh, you know, critique harshly when you're not quite there yet. You're not ready for that. So I think be judicious in who you pick to share your work with. The other thing as well is you're, you're absolutely right. How can our work grow if we don't take contribution from others? But it is scary. So you have to think what's more important to you, not experiencing fear or your work growing And that is really, I can't put it more simply than that. If you want your work to grow, you will need to share, Um, but just be smart about who you share with. Um, The other thing as well uh, is that we were talking about stealing ideas. And it's really interesting because um, as much as I absolutely do not condone stealing of ideas from other people, when we let go of our attachment to an idea, not that we... I'm not saying we don't care about it, but when we let go of our attachment to it and realize that we're the space through which ideas can come, the fear of things being stolen from us doesn't matter so much. I've often been told, oh, oh, so-and-so is doing your joke, blah, 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 stole your joke, blah, blah, blah. And I've had other people say, oh, you're doing blah, blah, blah's joke. Look, at the end of the day, often ideas come, uh, very few jokes are so original that, that a bunch of different um, comedians couldn't have thought of them at the same time. But equally, when someone tells me someone's stolen, so-called stolen my joke, I'm like, I doubt it. But also I'm the generator of those jokes. I can write more. I don't condone and I don't want anyone to steal from anybody, but I also am confident in my, enough in myself as an artist to say, well, Uh, I can write more jokes. And also perhaps I need to start looking at how original my stuff actually is anyway, if, if a bunch of other people can think of it. So that's another way of looking at it because at the end of the day, ideas are 10 a penny. Like I said, they're everywhere. Um, And Hollywood and the film industry and the TV industry is bombarded with ideas uh, uh, that are similarly themed. For example, I was working with a producer recently and they were saying, oh my God, if I get one more script that's COVID inspired, you know, spare me. (laughs) And so everyone thinks, oh yeah, I thought this great idea that, uh, you know, it's about a lockdown and a pandemic. And it's like, really? You think you're the only person that is coming up with that? Please. So what makes an idea great is our own creative spin and the the fear of somebody stealing stuff comes when your stuff isn't when you deep down know yeah it's not that original it actually isn't that original because if someone can steal stuff and get away with it that means that that, that it can't be so uniquely yours it can't be branded so specifically and uniquely yours Do you know what i mean 
again, I want to reiterate, I am absolutely not condoning stealing, but um, it does tell us something about our own creativity. If A, we're fearful of stuff being stolen or that our stuff is that nickable. Be careful about who you share your stuff with ultimately. Um, and, the, and, you know, uh, it's important also to copyright stuff. Um, I don't know how it's done in the UK, but in the US there's, you know, copyright, um, organizations that not just like registering your stuff with the, um, WGA, which doesn't actually do, do that much. I'm talking obviously if you're a writer, but you know, actually get your stuff copyrighted. Um, you know, the music industry are very good about things like that. And so as writers and all kinds of creators, we need to do the same thing. Um, Elizabeth Gilbert, again, does a really great TED talk and I'd urge you to, to look at it. Um, it, it. It's on YouTube. It's, it's, it's a very popular um, TED talk about creativity. And in it, she talks about how genius used to be something that it was, you were considered as an artist to have. It lived in the walls of your studio. It wasn't something that you were. That interpretation has changed over time, probably as our um, consciousnesses have become more individualized. We've turned genius into something we are rather than something we have. And um, in that, we, we get this mistaken belief that the creativity is coming from us rather than through us. And so I think it's really helpful to, to embed this idea of ideas coming through us by thinking of that, uh, that genius um, sort of description. Because then it, it, it helps us to not hold on to them, don't belong to us anyway. And it gives us um, humility in the face of these ideas that have graced us with their presence, graced our lives with their presence. Thank you for coming to visit me. And maybe it'll give us a little bit more grace in dealing with them rather than like, like I was with my books of angrily wrestling with it. Maybe I'll dance with it a little bit more and just be thankful that it ever, you know, deemed me, uh, um, suitable for it to, to be in my life. <laughs> so, I mean, ultimately, it doesn't help us, should I say, to be precious about these things because they were never ours in the first place. These ideas don't belong to us. We're stewarding them into existence. But anyway, here's what actress, writer and stand-up legend Roisin Connerty has to say about ideas. For me, a bit like buses, you wait for one for ages, three show up at once. Um, like whenever I'm writing a script, I'll have loads of stand-up ideas or whenever I'm, you know, writing stand-up, I get stuff. I think this is dialogue for a different character. Um, and I think that shows that ideas sometimes come when we're relaxed but being creative. I don't think they come if you're not looking for them at all. I think we need to um, put stuff, you know, into the well sort of thing, you know, of creativity. So, you know, I go and I read The Artist Way years ago. So if I'm struggling for ideas, I go and watch theatre and listen to music and stuff I wouldn't normally listen to or watch. Um, I purposefully go outside of my own reading lists and read books that maybe... I wouldn't be interested in just to sort of open up, open, open up, open up those pathways um, so that I have other ideas and uh, shake it all up. Um, but yeah, you, writing them down is the one I've forgotten ideas because I thought I'll remember that in the morning and I haven't a stand up idea or, you know, a script plot device. And, you know, uh, but when you get one, dear God, the feeling of when you've got the right idea and you know, and that feeling in your stomach, it's like falling in love. <laughs> 
That was the fantastic Roisin Connerty, who is the star of Afterlife and Game Face, her Channel 4 show. And she is also an amazing stand-up. Did I say that? She is. Just a final thought on ideas. They have their own, let's say, intent on on what they're going to become. And it is just to be as fully formed as they can be. You see, the ideas of success around an idea come from you. So if you say you create something, I want this to, you know, if it's a a TV show, I want this to win a BAFTA, or if it's a piece of artwork, I want this to be, you know, hung in blah, 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 uh, exhibition space, or I want to sell my art or, you know, whatever it is. Those ideas of of success come from you. Whereas the idea doesn't have that built into it. So an idea's success is just existing. Does that make sense? Like an idea has succeeded if it gets to exist in its fullest form. So we don't necessarily have to think of an idea as unsuccessful because it hasn't become the things that we wanted it to be. For example, I um, created a film called Brit I Am. And we, when uh, me and my um, sort of collaborator came up with this concept of this film that was based on a poem I'd written, we wanted it to go viral. We expected it to go viral. We thought, why wouldn't it go viral? Um, we wanted it to be a, a something that was much talked about. It didn't go viral, um, but it, it did do well. Uh, and uh, afterwards, once I'd had a chance to reflect on it, I thought that was all it, that what it did was what it was supposed to do. And actually one never knows where the end of the story is because I, I could be thinking, oh, I'm at the end of the Brit I Am story where actually I'm only halfway through. So because of the domain that the idea comes from, we need to give it a little bit of room to, to be what it's meant to be, to lose our attachment to where what it's supposed to do for us what it's supposed to look like and give it a bit of breathing room obviously we can have intent sure and that's important but an idea it's just here to exist and there's a beauty in letting go just a little bit to allow that because from there it just allows a little bit more creative freedom and not so much of a hanging on to an outcome, but more just living in the intoxicating moment of creating. So that's the end of the podcast, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, Again, don't forget to check out our Patreon page. Um, Next uh, episode, I'm going to be talking about writer's block. Uh, I was going to include it in this episode, but there's actually so much to say on it that I think I can justify an entire podcast episode on that very subject and we have some great advice again thank you to soho works again for the space and the kit to record this podcast also um thank you to uh all those that have contributed and sent in their thoughts and comments on ideas particularly to uh Gwynifer and to ian for their questions as well and also um the rest of the comments that I received, I will be discussing in the extras, which you can access if you become a patron. That's right. So thank you, you guys, for listening. Do stay in touch and be part of this conversation. Hit me up on Instagram um, or Facebook with your thoughts, questions and comments. And I will see you very, very soon.
I hope you enjoyed that episode of Creative Source. If you're looking for more support with your creative journey, I'm offering one-to-one online mentoring. Perhaps you want to launch a project but don't know where to start. Maybe you've got stuck around a certain issue, need some advice, or just want to bounce ideas around. Whatever it is, I'm here. Just hit the Patreon link in the show notes or go to patreon.com forward slash creative source with Andy Osho to find out more.